So we, we're continuing our series on the uh, book of 1 Samuel. Uh, we, we're still sticking with the chapter 1. Uh, and we're just going to go in a bit more deeper into the story of Hannah. So last Sunday, uh, Duncan spoke about the choices that we make in our lives. Uh, some of the Almost all our choices have got some consequences, either bad or good. Uh, today, we're going to just dig a bit more deeper into, into the story of Hannah. Uh, into some of, into the choice that she made uh, and what that meant for her. Uh, so I'm 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 going to be reading from First Samuel chapter chapter one verse twenty one to twenty eight. You should be able to see that uh, in the uh, up on the screen uh, shortly. I'm going to read from the NASB version. So uh, those of you wondering what version I'm reading from, that is the version. Um, so it is. So I'm going to read from verse twenty one onwards. Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him so that he may appear before the Lord and stay there for life. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Stay until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman stayed and nursed her son until she weaned him. Just going to take a quick pause there. Um, and, I'm, and I was just pondering about the, the response that Elkanah made to Hannah. So Hannah obviously said, I'm going to stay here uh, for a bit longer uh, until I weaned. Uh, and then Elkanah decided to just, just respond. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I, I wonder why, why we men have to even respond at all. Just, yeah. Just, just move on. Yeah, she said she's going to wait, so move on. Uh, but I was just wondering, what, why, what, why, did, why did he have to say? He, I mean, he said, let the Lord confirm his word. But clearly, God confirmed his word, and he was, she was holding a baby in, in her arms. So, so I was just I, I was wondering, what, what was it? And, and the conclusion that I, I, I got to was, well, maybe that was a, that was a word of prayer or a word of surrender himself to God saying, that was the word of God that was spoken and I'm just going to hand it back to God to bring that to completion, to bring that to fruition. I somehow feel like that was a prayer of a surrender that, that Alkina was making there. That was, that was, that's, my, that's my take. Um, so I'm just going to go, I'm just going to continue reading from verse 24. Um, and now when she weaned him, she took him up with her, with a three-year-old bull, one ephah flower, and a jug of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. The, the verse here talks about a three-year-old bull. Um, if, you, if you were to read this in a different other translation, it, it says three bulls uh, and not a three-year-old bull. Um, and, if you, and if you look at the, the amount of flour, that she was taking in her hand, it, was, it says it's one ephah of flour. And if you were to convert that to kilos, that's roughly about 16 kilos. Now, you wouldn't take 16 kilos if it was just one bull. You would take that 16 if it were three bulls. So, so it, it, it probably goes to say that it is three bulls. Now, why on earth am I talking about three bulls and one bull? Um, it's, the law does not require her to take three bulls. The law actually requires her to take a lamb and a pigeon or a dove, yeah? So it's, it's just these. But she, and if you read in the message translation, it says she offered a generous 
offering to God. And, and quite often that, that, that looks like a work of a woman because the Bible clearly says it was she who took that offering and it looks like she made the decision that, no, I'm going to take three bulls today and I'm going to take 16 kilos of flour and a jug of wine. And that jug of wine is actually 22 liters. It's a massive jug, by the way. Um, so I'm, I'm sometimes, when, I, when I'm reading that passage, I was just reminded of my lovely wife, Dee, who sat there behind the laptop today. Um, and, I'm, and I was reminded of this scenario, where this event where there was this lady who walked up to her and just complimented her, her scarf, and she was just almost willing to just take that scarf and give it to her. Um, and she can sometimes be so wildly generous and sometimes that I just need to stop her from saying, no, 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 let's not do that. I think that's a bit too much. I think that's a bit too much that you're going, you're going slightly overboard. Sometimes I even hope that I actually had the home in place because almost once she, she was almost about to say, I think, I think we should give away the house to them. I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think yet. I don't, I'm not sure yet. Um, but yeah, I, I think, aren't we all so grateful for, for those women in our lives? Um, who've just installed so much of God in us, uh, our, our wives, our, our moms, um, just, 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 just those women. We're so, so grateful for them in our lives. Um, and I'm just going to carry on the passage. And sorry, I thought I'll do it slightly different, uh, differently today. So verse 25, Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. And she said, Pardon me, my lord. As your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my request, which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. You know, last week we, we heard about the rivalry between the two wives, Benina and Hannah, and the key differentiator between the two is the fact that one had kids and Hannah didn't have. And there is so much to learn from that one chapter about, about the two, the chemistry between the two, how, how Hannah responded. There's just so much to learn. And I suppose I just want to take, just take a moment here and maybe just ask the question to everyone here. Uh, what really stood out for you from, from the story of Hannah, or maybe even from the passages that we read today. Is it, is anything, does anything stand out to you? Anyone want to shout out? Anyone? No? Didn't learn anything. Giving him to the Lord. Giving him to the Lord, yeah, surrendering, that, that moment of surrendering, yeah. That obedience, maybe. Thank you, Becca. Anyone else feeling courageous enough to speak up? No? Right. I think there was that, for me, there's one, it was, it was almost similar to what Becca said. It's also that persistence. You know, day in and day out, she kept hearing about Penina saying, oh, I've got, I've got everything, you don't. And, and, you know, and I felt like there's that persistence that, no, I'm going to trust in God. No, I'm going to trust in God. And, and yeah, and, and finally, God showed up. So today I have three points that I want to share uh, with you. Uh, the first one is it's counterintuitive. Um, if you just go a few verses at the beginning of the same chapter, in verse 11 it says, She made a vow 
and said, Lord of armies, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your bondservant and remember me and not forget your bondservant, but will give your bondservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor shall never come on his head. You know, Hannah was at this moment where she was tired of being mocked by Penana and she, she kept hearing about what Penan always had to say. The, the, the passage in the Bible says that she was, she, was, um, she was bitterly or painfully provoked by, by her rival wife. And, and so she decided to run to, to God and say, God, I'm in pain. I'm in, and I'm, and she, she cried, and the Bible says she wept bitterly. And, and, and she was handing to God this pain almost. It, and then she put in this request that, okay, God, I, I want a child, by the way, if you hadn't noticed. Uh, I want a child. Um, and then she also does something that's completely counterintuitive because she's spending this time almost childless and she's carrying that pain. And then she's saying, God, I will, you know, if, if you do give me a, a child and if it's a son, I'll hand him back to you. And you go, have you really thought this through, Hannah? I mean, you're just praying for a son, and then you're saying you're going to give it back to God. It doesn't, it doesn't quite add up. I mean, do, do you maybe want to just, re, just reflect on that decision, perhaps? Um, and, and sometimes God uses those counterintuitive acts to solidify or further crystallize our, our love or our response to God. You know, I'm, I was reminded of a time when, uh, when, I, when I was put, when I was about to purchase the flat that we now live in. Um, and this was, this was back in 2018. Um, and I was, it was almost at this time where I had to put down the deposit um, and I had to pay a lot of the expenses, the initial you know, expenses of moving into a house. I had to get the furnitures. I had to get the, had to get the furniture, the fittings. I had to get all the, all the electrical appliances, all that good stuff. And there was a good amount of money that I had to spend on all of that. And, and my parents, uh, generous enough, they, they decided to give me a gift. Um, and, and that really helped bridge, bridge that gap. Now, I, uh, and actually myself and my wife, we, we believe in, in the principle of tithing. Now, some of you may not, but, but, but we, 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 we believe in that principle of tithing. And, and so I decided in my heart Look, I got that first gift. Uh, I got that gift from, God, uh, from, from my parents, and I want to give that 10% away. Now, I don't believe in strictly living by the 10%. We, we try always, to, myself and my wife, we always try to give more than 10%, so that's not, that's not the... Uh, we, don't, we don't religiously go out 10%. We, we tend to give more. Um, uh, but we do think that's the minimum here. Um, and... And so we, we, and if I looked at the finances and if I gave the tithe away, I wouldn't have enough. I just wouldn't have enough to cover the deposit, the, the expenses, all the furniture, the furniture, the electrics, everything I need to get. But I gave it away still because I believed in that principle and I, and I, and I know that that's, that's what I felt God was asking me to do and, and I gave it. I cannot believe six months later... And, well, I cannot believe, and, and this is the fact that I just didn't have anything on that list that I had that I wanted 
that I needed that wasn't ticked off. And, and to be honest, I'm an accountant and I do have everything written in an Excel file. I cannot believe how I made that possible. And I'm not joking, I really am not joking. I, I, did, I cannot, to this day, I cannot believe how that actually happened. But that happened. God was, God just provided how he normally does. And, and Hannah was counterintuitive. In fact, the whole passage goes against human rationale. Hannah asked for a child. She then decides to hand it back to God. She was generous, way above what the law required her to do. She gave way above that. In Genesis 21, verse 8, you also see where Abraham threw a massive feast when, when he got Isaac. And, and that was like a big celebration. But that was memorialized in Hannah's world by handing Samuel back to God. So it was all a bit, it, it, just, it just didn't fit the human rationale. But Hannah chose to do what she, what she decided to do. And, and that nicely leads me on to the second point, resolve. Now, has anyone in this room made a New Year's resolution and has already broken it? Becca, right. Thank you for your honesty, Becca. Um, apparently, the failure rate of New Year's resolution is about 80%. And, and, it's, and apparently there's a research that says eight out of 10 people usually give up on their resolution midway through to February. So that's a few years, few weeks into, into your New Year's, you're, you're broken that resolution already. And the top three resolutions, I'm, anyone would like to make a guess of what are the top three resolutions? Get fit, yeah. Sleep more. More financially wise, yeah, actually. Stop drinking, yeah. Stop smoking. It's, all, it's almost all of these things, actually. I think you already know. The top three is living healthier, losing weight, and the, the third one, I think, is living happier or something. That fits into a lot of things that you said about finance, everything else. And, and research, and the research also shows that it's not just, you know, if, if you want to lose some weight, it's not just the the food, or it's not just about the training, it's not just about the lifestyle, it's about all of those things put together that actually helps you lose weight. Now, this, this is not meant to be a training course, but this is, it, it, just, it just says that, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not you can train and then eat junk, or you eat, uh, just don't eat at all, and then you, you become healthy. It just doesn't work that way. It's all the small micro decisions that you make, or the resolutions you make in your life that then leads you to that healthier lifestyle. And, and so in my, um, and, and, and that is, and that is my, that my version of how, how you could think about decisions or resolve that you have. In the, in, in the Bible, there is this really famous resolution, if you like, um, that Joshua made. Um, and this was his declaration of his faith that um, is so simple yet so profound. Um, and I think most of us may have, ha may have this framed um, in our houses or, or, or maybe share this at some point to some people. And this is from Joshua 24, 14, 
and 15, and this was a declaration that he was making to the whole of Israel, and he was saying, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Do away, do away with the gods which your fathers served beyond Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if it is disagreeable in your sight, uh, but if it is disagreeable in your sight, serve the Lord. Choose yourself today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which will be on the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, there is something about you resolving in your heart that you're going to do something and then letting, and then all other actions that just follow that decision gets tainted by that decision you just made. Joshua made that decision, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's what he decided. And, and everything that he did, everything followed that decision. You know, we, we resolve to eat healthy. We resolve to train. Uh, and then we make it happen. We resolve to think that God is against me. We resolve to think that there is, there is something that's called God is holding out on me. Or you resolve to think that I'm not favoured enough. You know, sometimes people have spoken things against us and spoken something um, about us in our lives to us. And we resolve to think, yes, I am actually weak in that area. And yes, I'm not capable of doing that. And we resolve it in our heads that I'm not able to do anything. Almost, almost calling God not able to do something on your behalf, if you'd like. There, there was, I'm reminded of a story um, when, I, when I was in school. Uh, and I, I, was in, I was not bright at all in my studies. I was one of those kids that I just didn't know how to get through the exam, and I somehow scraped through the exams. Um, so, um, and this was just under a year before me going into uni, and, and I remember vividly the, the teacher just looking up and asking everyone, okay, what would you like to, uh, who would you like to become uh, when, you, when you, you know, get through uni, et cetera, and then uh, it, it came my turn, and I said, oh, I want to be a chartered accountant. And just when I slipped those two words out of my mouth, I heard a girl right somewhere behind me laughing away, saying, oh, yeah, he's going to be, he's going to be what? And I, and I knew who that person was. And I, but when, when, she, when, she, when she smiled, I just made that resolve in my heart, saying, I'm going to prove her wrong. I am just going to prove her wrong. And later down, somewhere down the road, I did resolve in my heart that I'm not going to hold anything against her. It's not worth me holding anything against her. Why would I want to do it? But I still want to prove her wrong. I still want to get that. Um, there were so many failures between that time of when I resolved, between, between today where I stand. Ten years after that resolve, I finally decided to take up another course, which is an ACA, which is a Chartered Accountancy Certification. And, and by God's grace, I've actually got through the exams. And that too, with first time passes. I'm not, I'm not trying to blow my trumpet. All I'm trying to say is God made me capable. I was incapable in my past, but God called me capable because I didn't want to believe a lie. Uh, and I resolved in my heart, saying I'm not going to believe a lie. Hannah resolved to dedicate her baby. 
she could have fallen in the 80% camp, but then just falls away and decides, oh, actually, I don't think God really wants me to because I've been waiting for so long. Why would, I, why would God want me to? And she could, just, she could just turn back. She could just say, oh, actually, I don't want to give that away, uh, give, give Samuel away. But, but she convinced herself, no, I am going to do it. And sticking to what you've resolved sometimes is, is painful. If you think about it, Hannah, for those three years of weaning, because the Bible says she weaned, and roughly it's about three to four years, and we think it's about three years that she, she handed Samuel. If you think about it, those three years would probably have been the most joyful, but yet the most painful in her life, because she knew every day, every moment she looked at Samuel, she knew three years from now or a few, few months from now, I'm going to hand Samuel back to, to God physically, back to the temple. And that was painful. But she resolved every day saying, no, I am not going to turn back from that decision that I made. I am going to give and I'm going to, I'm going to follow through with what I've, what I've committed and what I decided. Most of us at some point in our lives would have decided and made that declaration as Joshua made in chapter 24, that me and my house will follow God. But how many of us today are looking at and, and seeing that there are some areas that you really are unable to stick with our resolve and that there is something that is, that is challenging you? Are there any areas in your life? The, the third and the final point that I want to touch on is a mindset of surrender. And, and these, are, these are a few definitions of surrender. Um, there, are, there are a couple here that, that's just going to come up. But, but the literal meaning of surrender is, <laughs> if you just strip away everything, it is simply stop fighting or just stop resisting. And that's an interesting definition, right? Um, in, in Genesis chapter 22, I'm just going to flick to what Abraham did here. In 22, verse 1 to 3, it says, Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he split wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place of which God had told him. God, the interesting thing about this passage is God speaks to Abraham and the next morning Abraham saddles his donkey and he's away already. That is the quickest turnaround or the delivery time. I mean, I don't think Amazon can be that. That's just absolutely quick. I mean, he didn't decide to fight with God. He didn't, I mean, he didn't, he didn't wait to, are you really sure, God? I mean, I've been waiting for so many years. You promised me so many things. Like, are you asking me now to go and give Isaac? He didn't question God. God said he knew the voice of God, and he said, I'm just going to do it. The next day morning he saddled. He didn't challenge, he didn't fight. And, and I don't think Abraham could do that without a mindset of surrender, without actually living a lifestyle of surrender. 
surrendering to God every day. It, I don't think it was easy for Abraham either. He had those three days where he was going, he was traveling to Moriah, and every three days he would have been reminded of those moments that he spent with Isaac, and he potentially probably going to lose him um, now. And so was Hannah in those three years. Hannah didn't have much going in her favor. Hannah was barren at the very beginning. Penina provoked her bitterly. Um, and, and we spoke about this. And, and, and in the olden times, it's also painful to know how someone who's, who is going through that period of barrenness, people would just look at, and look at them and say, oh, you're, you're, you're being punished or you're, or you're a curse. Uh, and that's how it would be in, the, in, the, in those olden times. And, and in Genesis 30, verse 1, we see also Rachel talking to, to Jacob, saying, I would rather die than live childless. So that was the pain that she was going through. Hannah could have easily felt that God was holding out on her or God was not, God was not giving her her request. But in spite of all those things that she was surrounded by, by the negative voices over her and speaking against her, all of those things that were working out against her, she's decided to stick and surrender to God. In, in Psalm 37, verse 7, it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. In Psalm 46, 10, it also says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And be still in another translation, it just means cease striving. Just stop fighting. So stop fighting with yourself. Stop fighting with God. And surrender, we also know, is, a, is that pivotal moment where God can do the impossible, where God can do the miraculous. In 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 1, we see how Hannah surrendered. In, in, in chapter 2, verse 21 onwards, we see that she was then blessed with three other sons and two other daughters and how she was blessed and how God did the miraculous in our lives. And could we, can I just ask each of us to maybe just close our eyes at, at this time? I'm almost finished. And can I ask the band up as well at this time? I just want to ask you just a couple of questions whilst you have your eyes closed and maybe the band playing something in the background. Where, where do you think God is holding out on you? Or, or where is it that you feel you're not making much progress in your life and you just sat there and you're seeing something that is not working? Or it might be a particular area that you're, that you're fighting yourself or you're fighting God. And you're saying, why, why is this happening today in my life? In, in Psalm 50, verse 15, it says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. In Psalm 9, verse 10, 
It says, and those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Can I just encourage those who've got your eyes closed and you feel like God is actually speaking to you today, this moment, that there is that, there is that particular thing that you feel that is not seen to work and you've done everything you can do with your hands, with your strength and it doesn't seem to work and you've just almost given up. Whatever that is, I just want to take, I just want you to take this moment. I'm just going to give a moment of silence before I pray. And I just want you to just, just almost hand it back to God. Just like how Hannah transacted. Just like how Abraham just obeyed and just listened and just, just went and lived that lifestyle of surrender. Can I just encourage us to just lay those things that we are, we are almost having that, that wrestle with, to just hand it back to God. So here's that moment of silence, just speak to God and just, just speak to him and just release that to him. Oh God, you're, you're the miracle-working God. And only you can do what, what seems impossible in our eyes today, God. And we just we want to just take those things that, are, that we're struggling with today, those things that we, that we think we don't have an answer to, we, don't, we, we cannot see a way through. We just want to bring that at your feet today, this moment. And we just want to surrender it, God. And we want to bring it under your authority. And God, would you just take it over and lead us? We heard today that you spoke to us, Lord, that you do not turn away those who are weak, those who are broken. You're willing to do the impossible. And we thank you so much, God. And those of you, those of those of those who are broken today, God, would you just speak your healing and your your completeness, Lord, over them today? Would you would you speak that reassurance, God, over them? Would you just allow them to just experience your love and your mercy, God, today? As they surrender, would you just cover them with your hands? that they will actually experience a lightness in their spirit right now, Father. And we ask that in Jesus' name. We pray that they would be strengthened to do what they're called to do, Lord. And we thank you so much you've done that already. And we praise you for who you are, God, and for what you've done. Thank you so much, God, for those who cannot walk, who, who feel their their feet just almost falling apart. It might be physical, it might be metaphorical. God, we pray, would you strengthen their feet today that they will be able to walk, not just walk, but run. 
God. It doesn't matter what their past has been or what, what people have spoken against, but you have a better word over them and you speak a word that's strong and powerful than what the enemy wants to speak to them, Lord. We thank you so much you brought that, you bring that to fruition. And you're the one who's spoken and you will be and you will complete it because you're able and faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.